Welcome everybody to this week's episode of Sunday Table Tennis Live. As always, I'm joined by fellow hosts Ryan Jenkins and Keith Knox to discuss everything table tennis. So, hope everyone is 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 ready for for action-packed table tennis uh, podcast. Um, just looking back to recap on last week's uh, amazing uh, episode with the legend John Michelle Safe. I think we had some great interest there uh, on the show, and I think. People, people uh, engage really well, both through the show and afterwards. Um, we've made some interesting uh, feature changes to this week's show, so I hope you're going to like that. Um, big shout out to Keith Knox for all that work. Um, again, He's done some great work, hasn't he, John? Oh, amazing. <laughs> uh, I, have to, I have to say, I don't think we can take any credit for that, Ryan. Um, well, he's done yeah, his mate. work. John, he's done his work. I've got all the guests coming on. So what are you doing? It's a three-way thing, I thought. Well, I bring my presence, Ryan, to this show, and you know it. And uh, I'm I'm the expert. Exactly. (laughs) Um, Moving on, I'm very very happy and and delighted to be able to say that we have Johnny Cowan um, joining us this week. Um, So I think it will be a a really interesting show for for everybody. Big Johnny. Yeah. To be honest, Johnny's been, you know, he's been a fundamental... Um, asset actually to our our own club um here in Northern Ireland we have um we brought it to Johnny I think it was about six seven years ago we wanted to you know get a new new venue and start doing a bit of fundraising and and Johnny was straight on it straight away he 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 wanted to do a little piece to the camera and we done four episodes and you know it, it was it actually helped us raise I think up in two and a half or three thousand pounds so he was the the face of our campaign so it was brilliant. Well, just before you give the clip of Johnny coming in, Keith, I'm just going to list some of his achievements, both on the table and off the table. Six times Irish national champion. That's, that's a great feat, obviously. He played in Germany for one year and then France for four years as a full-time player. Two Commonwealth Games in 2002 and 2006 in Manchester and Melbourne, respectively. Two times he played the European Championships in 96 and 98, and three times the World Championships in 95 in China, 97 in Manchester, and 01 in Osaka. And then after after his playing days, and he hung up his bat, obviously, Master of Ceremonies at the London 2012 and Rio 2016 Olympic Games. His current role is the ITTF European Marketing Manager, but he's worked previously with companies like UEFA. He, he worked at the Olympic Games in Rio, Premiership Rugby, Two Circles, Everton Football Club. And of course, he was the Master of Ceremonies at Drum Chapel's anniversary and many times at the English Open. So we're going to bring Johnny in today. Absolutely. As the sport ripples and really starts to achieve its high standards that we know it can and its reach, everybody's picked up a bat at some point. So mm. ITF and all partners involved trying to take the game. Build out. What, what a guy. <laughs> that a fetch on how. Amazing. <laughs> Very good. I mean, we spoke a lot in Sweden and Austria. Mm. Morning, Johnny. Johnny. Morning, guys. Good morning. How are we? Morning, Johnny. Very good. Very good, Johnny. Great to How see you. Good? Great show, guys. Great show. Last couple of weeks, I tuned in. Very good. Very good. <laughs> Brilliant. 
So Johnny, how's how's things in lockdown and how's everything going for you? Yeah, so far so good. You know, family's healthy and uh, we're getting on with what we have to do, much like yourselves, no doubt, and everybody else. Um, professionally, it's tough times. Uh, we all know that there are no events at the moment. So, you know, like every rights holder, whether it be a English Premier League football club or any international federation or anybody who puts on events, it's uh, it's challenging. You know, there's 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 no revenues coming in from TV yeah. and sponsors and uh, and it's tough for everyone. You know, the players aren't playing, the coaches aren't aren't coaching like like you guys. You know, we're not in the halls, we're not we're not doing what we normally do. But um, but yeah, we just we just got to deal with it in the best best way we can, and hopefully we're back back soon. Yeah, very good, very good. It's, it's certainly a, a strange times, I think, for all of us. Um, and you know, us as a club, we're actually looking at the moment. You know, how do we actually start to begin to ease the lockdown? And and I guess hopefully we'll we'll touch a little bit on that later as to what we can do. You know, what the ITTF plans are and what what they're hoping to roll out. Um, but without further ado, we'll probably just get straight into the questions because a lot more will start to come out. Um, once we get into them, so you know, as we've seen from the intro there from Johnny, uh, or sorry from Ryan, you know, you've you've had a a. a fairly fantastic career um, you know you've you've been a, a top footballer you were um you know now representing you know the ITTF the the voice of ITTF as a lot of people um have become to know you have uh, as um so I guess we're just wondering you know you, you initially started off with a, a great love for football um and you know that trans transpired into table tennis so just wondering how did that come about yeah a bit of a journeyman, I think, in sport, I guess. Um, yeah, no, I, lo I love, like you guys probably, and, and many of the viewers and everybody involved in sport, loved, loved, loved all sports. And uh, in primary school, um, it was Heather Baird, then Heather Barrett, who, who got us started uh, hitting a ball in, in one of the little uh, huts in the in the uh, playground. And But I also did football. I think most people in, in UK and Ireland do, do play football and, and in Europe. So, uh, you know, managed to play for the for the Northern Ireland Primary Schools Belfast team in a tournament in Jersey in, in 87 and um yeah just just tried to do both then as I as I went to Inst and um you know Michael Thompson and, and Tony Phillips and, and Alan Strong and people like that then involved in the Ulster scene and but when I was 15 I uh I started to play a little bit more football. Um I'd been playing for Hillsborough Boys um and eventually I find myself playing for, for the school team. We, we obviously at Inst, it was more sort of rugby and hockey and, and table tennis, obviously very strong. Um, I got coaxed to come back and try a bit of football by the, the then um, vice principal uh, who was involved with, uh, with the football side. Um, and I, I played for Glentoran for a while, uh, second team, uh, under 18s. And uh, yeah, and then finally, was able to play for Northern Ireland as a schoolboy international. So had two caps. Well, one cap for the year. You get one cap for the season. Two matches, Republic of Ireland and Wales. Yeah. We couldn't give them a good, uh, a good beating, Ryan, very much like the table tennis. That's right. Uh, you talented Welsh wizards. Um, so yeah, so that, was, that was then. And, and it was the following year in 94. So I'd made that Northern Ireland schoolboy team a year early and I had one more year to go. Uh, and then in the pre-season um, in Lisburn, I remember I just went over on the ankle. Guy fell on top of me. Next thing I know, I was in the hospital lying on the x-ray table. 
and um, and that was my ankle completely, completely in bits. Um, and but literally, find interesting jobs that did you play against Pat Jennings or train against him or something? Yeah, so when I was eight, I, I did a training course uh, with uh, three of the the Arsenal players at the time: Pat Jennings, Northern Ireland legend, uh, Brian Talbot as well was involved. Um, so yeah, so that was that was good, good fun, good learning from those people. And um, but yeah, so the, the ankle got got shot basically, and and within two or three weeks, I, I spoke to Hilton Manili in Germany and um, at the same time there was a club in Germany looking for somebody to play and the captain of the schoolboy team he'd gone to Spurs for a trial and didn't make it a guy called Graham Filson from Korean he didn't make it came back from Spurs saying no and he was much better footballer than me so I sort of was in the mind of well if he hasn't made it I, I probably won't be able to make it and then Hilti had this offer and that was it I, I, I went down the table tennis route and, and the following year after A levels I was I was in Danish Hagen in Germany. Very good. So kind of falls from there, and and uh, and then professionally, full circle, done a few different things, and and you know, it's delighted to be to be involved in table tennis now. It's uh, it's strange coming full full circle again, but it's 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 awesome, and um, yeah, things are changing and things are moving forward. So exciting times. Yes, Johnny. Uh, just moving on to your to your career as a player. Um, and I'm, I'm sure you've got many, many highlights, uh, winning six national titles. I, I will add, you've got one more, one more than me. So I was disappointed to, to see that stat. Uh, but you know, <laughs> given that you've had a, you've had a, you've had a load of uh, career highlights, would you? Is there one that stands out among many? Good question. Um, Beating Ryan Jenkins, is it? No, oh, that was that was that's got to be a high. I remember playing you, Ryan, in '95 in. Um, I think it was the Six Nations. It was in Northern Ireland. I'd just gone to Germany. We came back, Hilti and I. And I remember playing a young whippersnapper, Ryan Jenkins, running around mad around the table. <laughs> I remember that. I might have just squeezed past the post on that one, but I don't think it happened very much after that. I think it was more than uh, squeezed past the post. I had a bit of a lesson that day, but yeah, it was a good lesson. <laughs> good stead. No, it's difficult to pick one, John. I mean, I loved, I loved representing um, Ireland. I loved you know, playing for, with the shirt and, um, I love the team environment. I loved, I love playing with you guys, uh, playing against Ryan. I, I love that kind of team dynamic, you know, world championships, um, Commonwealth games for Northern Ireland. Uh, but I think winning the national championships is, is always, is always nice. Um, I'm sure you guys would agree with your own CVs and, and achievements on that front. Yeah, there's an interesting one, Johnny, and I wanted to ask you, and I think it fits into this this topic. Um, one memory of mine would be when you beat Colin Slevin in in the Cardiff Grand Prix. Um, you, I don't know if you're one of the only Irish players that would have beaten Colin in, you know, especially when he was a, other than players maybe beat him as a junior when he was younger, but while he was a senior and while he was the number one player in Ireland, you're probably one of the only players to have beaten him. I'm just wondering. How that felt, and was that was that a surreal moment for you to beat someone like Colin? Yeah, maybe maybe I was lucky to get him when he was near the end of his career, you know. But uh, yeah, no, Colin's obviously a great friend of all of ours, and uh, what a legend for table tennis, you know. What a guy on the international scene, and everybody knows him. The top guys know him. Stefan Fetzner, Jorgen Persson, they all say hello. They all still ask about him today, and I'm still in touch with Colin. What a great guy and um, and, and a great player. 
Yeah, I mean, to, to have beaten Colin was 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 amazing. Um, I know Ryan Ewell have played against him many times. Very steady, gave nothing away. Very good on the uh, mental side of it as well. Um, could contain anybody, you know, having watched him play against the Applebrins and Thierry Millers and, and Alan Cooks and all those sorts of matches. Um, one disappointment I, I do have after that, I think that was the semi-final and and I then wanted to go on and make sure I won the won the tournament because if you beat Column, you, you should be playing pretty well, and then it'd be great to get a, a gold medal after. And I think it was, I think it was something like nineteen sixteen up in the third. I think against was it nineteen? Was it twenty one points then? I think it still was. Yeah. And um, I think it was nineteen sixteen up or something in the third against Gavin Gavin Rumge, and he gave me a couple of the old wobblers and uh, and beat me. <laughs> Beat me and beat me in the final, so that was that was a little bit of a disappointment not to have fully capitalised having having beat Column, you know. But uh, yeah, good times. Great to have played with Column, as you know, John, on the team. Um, what what a great team guy. Yeah, absolutely. You just uh, couldn't agree more. You know, you, you just kind of felt like you were you were you were involved with the big guys because you know they gave him so much respect. So when you're in the practice hall with him and so on, I think he brought so much to our team. And yeah, couldn't agree more with your with your thoughts there. Johnny, the ITTF uh, recruited a voice of ITTF a couple of years ago, I should say. You came out on top. How did that feel? And what is it? Are you proud to be the voice of ITTF? Yeah, that was that was cool. Um, the guys at the ITTF, they tried to do innovative things and, and, and bring the game forward. And that was the time when they really wanted to push commentary. So um threw my hat in the ring and, and managed to managed to be selected which was which was awesome so you know getting to the big events sitting in the commentary box and um, watching amazing table tennis being amongst the top players of the world and uh and starting that whole journey i mean it was great to have joined the likes of don parker and and people like that who were involved michael anderson was doing a bit uh, richard prowser so um yeah no it was it was great really enjoyed that and um I guess that, that those were the sorts of things that kept me involved with the with the game. So whilst I was retired from playing and and started to work at Accenture and and pretty pretty full on full on uh, weeks weekend week out 70, 80 hour working weeks, um, I'd kind of drifted out. So those were the sort of things that started to bring me back in and 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 fueled my energy again for the for the sport. Um, and again, as I said earlier, it's just really nice that the professional sort of loop has come back round again and. And being back involved is, is 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 awesome. Can you give us a quick snapshot of what it's like a day in commentary? Because obviously people hear the voice, see the match, but the obviously everything that goes into it must be enormous. Yeah, it's you know you have got different styles of commentators. Um, it was great to learn from the likes of Don Parker, who'd been doing it years and so on. And 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 Don will talk about times when he was doing it with Tony Gubba, the very the, the famous sort of commentator on all sports in in, in the UK. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, there's different styles. My, my style is, is very much, you know, we, we, you need to prep, you need to know who the players are. There's so much in table tennis, as we know, which is great. The sport's rich in history and activities. And so what are their rankings? What's their form been like? Um, have I managed to speak to them in, in the, in the, in the warm-up hall or their coach, or can I find something out that's interesting for the fans and, and then when you're in in the zone, the, the professionals uh, will tell you that there are certain commentators. So you've got the color commentator who describe the um, environment and the atmosphere and give you the background and you know welcome to 
uh, Dusseldorf, we're mm -hmm. here at the whatever hall venue, and then you've got the technical, so, so someone who will really go into the detail of how the player is playing tactically, how they're holding the racket, uh, their technique, um, and so if you can blend the two, then you, you get a good storytelling and, and enough detail for the fans watching, which is which is crucial, obviously. Yeah, very good. I think obviously there's been massive announcements with the ATTF recently, and you know, we're lucky enough to get a, a bit of an insight into that last week when we were talking, Johnny. And um, you know, Steve Dainton, um, the ATTF CEO, you know, obviously announced you know the possibility of these new changes, uh, the women's only circuit, the grand smashes. Um, you know, there's obviously a lot of very, very exciting changes, and we've we've got a wee um, clip to show very soon. Um, so what what's your thoughts on, on on that, and how what what are the main changes that you see, and what that'll bring? Yeah, no, that's a, it's a good question, Keith. I mean, earlier sort of suggesting that this moment in time is tough with all the the events being postponed or we know the players and the coaches aren't active, and and, and on one hand, that's hugely challenging. For any sport including the ITTF and, and table tennis and on the other hand the excitement of the launch of world table tennis which you're just showing there is is hugely exciting for the sport I mean we're trying to push the sport into a new era into an entertainment era into an era where the players become true global stars um, to, to earn more money to be more present on social media to build their personalities to have more content wrapped around the sport uh, to give the fans more close to, to the action experiences, uh, to bring more partners and new partners globally into the sport. And, and basically the goal is to grow the table tennis economy. So grow it in a sense of, of everything becomes bigger for all of our partners and all of, all of the stakeholders within the sport, national associations, clubs, coaches, players. Um, and then maybe more roles can be created within the sport. You talked about commentary there. You know, if you look at football, because the economy is so big, you know, there's so many different roles now in, in football, whether it be a pundit, whether it be commentary, whether it be analysis, whether you do a magazine show that's sold into Singapore or sold into Eurosport. So, so the goal through this new platform is to grow the table tennis economy, truly take it to the place where we believe and, and, and I think you guys hopefully believe too and everybody watching where we really want table tennis to, to, to catch the golfs and the tennises of the world and, and be truly catapulted into, you know, well-known, publicised, broadcast and engaged sport. Because um, we chatted about it on the phone, didn't we, Johnny, about the player responsibility in all this? Yeah, they, for they sure. They need to have presence and they need to, to, to come forward as well and showcase themselves. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we want to... We want everybody to work together on this. All, all of the stakeholders, as I say, players, national associations, coaches, and broadcasters, media partners, sponsors, and the players, you know, we're working with them and, and they've been brilliant given the ITTF media team their time over, over recent years, whether it be in interviews, whether it be in the practice hall, whether it be behind the scenes fun stuff that we've tried to do to build their personalities. Uh, and if, if they... Can then also work on that too. Many of the, the guys and girls are, are awesome now in English. Um, and so we can really build their personalities, promote them. Um, and, and yeah, so the more they do, Ryan, and I think one of the things is probably to, to roll out some sort of media support, media training that the national associations can then also use 
with their players and, and really give them that that, that, that upskilling to um, to be able to engage and sell themselves also. Um, in terms of Steve's, Steve's note, you know, Steve is the global CEO and I believe that any CEO in any business needs to be future gazing, needs to be challenging, needs to think of the future changes that can keep a business moving, whether you're working at BMW, Kellogg's, British Airways, for example, in the airlines, particularly at the moment under serious pressure, you have to keep innovating and changing to be relevant and to be appropriate in the market. So, you know, I think Steve's doing the right thing in terms of reflecting on what could be, what might make sense. Um, clearly that's that's Steve pushing his ideas out, which is, which is perfect. Again, what I think a, a CEO should do. In terms of changes to the World Championships, you know, that would have to go through a a process i imagine you know through the agm and so on and so forth and probably for our members to vote on um i think what steve's getting at is that if you look at the calendar at the moment it's it's actually quite confusing i think quite so having football and rugby and cricket and other sports tennis for example golf it's quite easy to understand as a fan as a broadcaster, as a media partner, as a sponsor, looking into it, you can see that there's a clear calendar and you can see that players are trying to get to the finals at the end of the year, whether it's the road to Dubai or to the ATP or WTA finals for tennis. So, you know, we have the World Tour and then we have the World Championships and then we have the World Cups. So it's quite confusing to be able to differentiate which one is the pinnacle. You know, in a year where I remember talking to British Airways when they were coming on board for the Team World Cup in 2018, and they asked me, uh, so Johnny, we're sponsoring the biggest team event of the year for table tennis. And I was like, well, no, because in uh, in two months' time, we're going to be in Halmstadt for the World Team Championships. And they were like, oh, okay, so which one's bigger? And so then it suddenly started to become a little bit confusing. And if you imagine in October's now, we... We have the World Cups for men and women. And then five, six, seven weeks later, we have the World Tour Grand Finals. So we're crowning a male and a female player as World Cup winners in an October. And then six weeks later, we're crowning the World Tour winners, the top players. And so I think, I think the events that have come to now have been fantastic for the sport, but I, I do think as Steve suggests, we need to keep thinking of, of new innovations and the future and how to streamline it. Just uh, thinking about national associations, where do you see their role in this in this um, in this new concept, world table tennis? Do you, do you see it becoming a player franchise now, or do you, in terms of these individual events, or or how do, how does it look? The goal overall, John, is to try to grow the table tennis economy. So all stakeholders and all members and all parts of the sport to be able to benefit from that growth and national associations are clearly the members of the ittf so they are fundamental to the whole system and um, so the goal is to put the players on a higher uh, pedestal bigger prize money more coverage a uh, better tv production more wow events and um, more commercial power so we can start to bring in big sponsors and and, and more money we know we've we've been trying to push for a few years now on that front, but we, we we hear in the market that we should be pushing much much more, and that's what World Table Tennis wants to do. A little bit like what FIFA clearly do, they can generate a lot of cash through uh, their World Cups, for example, and then that money can be reinvested back into the sport 
national associations in football get get quite a package, for example. So that would be one of the goals is to be able to refund back into the sport to help the growth and development. Um, in terms of the World Table Tennis platform, John, it's definitely probably more geared towards the players, a little bit like tennis. So to try to get the players really getting to the next levels. Um, but national associations are, are part of that. They've developed the players and, and grow the players. And we're talking to national associations at the moment about various uh, elements to it and what might impact, for example, funding from government or the money that goes into the development of the players and the coaches and the physios and and, and no doubt you, John and, and Ryan in particular, with your national programs and performance and the money that you have to send players around the world and the training camps. Uh, so we have to sort of figure all that out with, with the national associations. But certainly the World Table Tennis platform is to really grow the economy of the sport and um, to take it where we want to take the sport and believe it should be. Just with regards yeah, to I... the Grand Smashes, Johnny, um... I think that's quite an interesting concept. I was speaking to the guys off air before we came online. Um, how, how do you see that going forward? Is, is that going to be like a Wimbledon US Open type in tennis? Uh, is it going to be, is the World Championships included in that? Or how is that looking? Yeah, no, good question. So um, World Table Tennis um, is, is a separate company to the ITTF. I think that's that's one thing to get to get um, get out there and... and um, and share that. So it's basically the commercial arm of the ITTF and the ITTF are, are sitting on that company board guiding the strategy so that that tie back to the ITTF strategic plan and the, and the vision can be realized through this commercial vehicle. A little bit like the Premier League with the FA. Okay, maybe at times that doesn't seem to connect too often in terms of grassroots, but it's that concept where it's the Premier League, it's, it's World Table Tennis driving the commercials and it's the FA, it's it's uh, ITTF looking after the, the the game and the development and the infrastructure and the national association membership side. Um, tennis have done it with the Davis Cup, Cosmos, for example, investing in the Davis Cup, which you might have seen in November last year was the first week. They're calling it now the World Cup of of, of tennis or the World Championships of tennis. Um, so so World Table Tennis is it's it is the commercial arm. And in there, there's proposed to have at the moment 34 events. So the current world tour, the licenses finish at the end of this year. And so there aren't any world tour events in next year, actually, at the moment. Uh, it'll be the world table tennis events that then come onto the calendar. And the goal is to have four grand smashes, which absolutely, Keith, is your grand slam in tennis. It's your major in golf. And we want these events to, to over the next 10, 20, 30 years, um, become like your Wimbledons, like your Roland Garros's. Oh, we just lost uh, Ryan there, have we? I think Ryan has went offline. That's 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 no harm, Johnny. We 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 don't need Ryan here. <laughs> <laughs> Conversations with the big boys and Ryan's not involved in that clearly. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I I'm very interested there, Johnny, and I I went to the Australian Open tennis this year. I spent a lot of days there. Um, very close to me where I live and you can just feel that that concept of you know the players with their team around them there's a lot of a lot of staff a lot of people employed through the game and and I can feel and I could feel how that would could really look in table tennis in five years time for example or 10 years time and um, so when when I seen this world table tennis concept it was exciting when you can relate it to something like a, a, an Australian Open Grand Slam in tennis 
Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, how, how did you feel, John, around the whole campus and the experience going through and the, and the feeling and the look and, and everything? How, did, how was all of that? Yeah, it was actually amazing because actually uh, Gary Cahill, who was the Irish national coach for tennis, is now a freelance coach and he's working with a, he's working with a Russian player, 71 in the world, a female player. So I actually got a little bit behind the scenes with them, was in the practice and, and sat in the box for the match. And you can just see how professional the players are treated. You know, they get a, they get $250 a day just to spend around the, the grounds for, for, for food or whatever. Um, and you, can, you, you just really have the sense that, you know, everything is catered for them. You know, they, they have their car to take them to the hotel, take them actually wherever they want to go. Yeah. Um, and it was an interesting to, to have that insight of where probably our bigger brother is in tennis, probably that, that few more years down the line in terms of development. And I, and I, I couldn't agree more, really. I, I, I thoroughly believe that the ITTF are going in the right direction with this, with this concept to really try to grow our sport and put, put, as you say, Johnny, put it on the map with the big sports. Yeah, I mean, it'd be interesting to get your view, um, guys, in terms of your players and, and what they say, but 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 clearly some of the things that we hear and, and what I see, and, and again, coming from sort of commercial side of, of other sports, English Premier League and, and rugby and cricket, you know, the T20 series in, in cricket, for example, the IPL in India, um, the big bash in Australia where you are there, John. Um, you know, we've got that with the UFC that's come in. I mean, last weekend they had their first uh, bouts, didn't they? Their first card. And they got something like 700,000 pay-per-views on a product that's reaching the world. So, you know, if you're if they're charging an average of $20 per, per pay-per-view, there's 14 million US dollars on one evening's card. And now those athletes will be getting paid significantly. Conor McGregor. I see him brilliantly this week, and maybe that's one to discuss later on what athletes are doing in this times. But there's Connor's donated a, a million euros worth of PPE and so on for for some of the hospitals and and uh, care homes in Dublin in Ireland, which is amazing. Um, but there's big big show, big razzmatazz around the likes of the UFC. I'm, I'm not a huge fan of all the blood and all that sort of stuff, but um, there's no doubt as a sporting product. It's very, very strong, and it's it's clearly performing very well commercially. Um, and in, in table tennis, I guess from from other elements is you know the, the world tour has grown. I think from the first one, the English Open back in probably '96. Ryan, maybe you did you play in it? Yeah, um, I did play in it. Yeah, Wanley Chin won here, I believe. Is that right? Yeah, I think so. And it was at Kettering, I think. And uh, yeah, I mean, from those days, it's really come on. There's no doubt. But I think I think the calendar is pretty busy. Uh, the players are telling telling us that there's not enough time to train and develop and recover. Um, I think certainly having been involved in some of the events with our national association and other partners who, who help run them, you know that the financial model and the infrastructure model is is really at a limit. We, we've really hit the, the ceiling in terms of what we can really push on and for the events. Um, you know we've got 300 plus athletes coming to the the, the, the world tours, which 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 is where, of course, the events can generate their, their money because the players are paying an entry or the national associations are paying an entry and the hospitality package, which is the hotel, the transport, the food, and, and covering some of the costs of the events. But, but if you put 300-plus players into a training hall, you know, we're hearing from some players that they're not able to get onto the tables to practice. Um, and that can't be good for the performance level for our players. 
so, so World Table Tennis wants to build the Grand Smashes at the top, 10-day events. Another challenge we have is, is if, if a player has a shot, a big win in the morning, um, let's say Liam Pitchford beats Malong. Uh, actually, in three or four hours, Liam Pitchford's back on again. And so that story only lasts for three hours. So at the moment, table tennis doesn't have the ability to engage globally around the world in the different time zones to tell that story, whether it be for the sponsors, for the broadcasters, for Liam himself, for the performance of the sport. You know, somebody beating the Olympic and world champion, Ma Long, arguably one of the best ever. Well, definitely one of the best ever. And yet we only have a couple of hours to tell that story. You know, we can't even really get Liam maybe after that match to get a full interview because he needs to get back to the hotel. He needs to rest. He needs to fuel back up again. He needs to come back for his prep and his warm up because he's got his next match. Uh, so if we can elongate the tournament, then and players only play maybe one every other day, every day, once a day, it gives us more time, time to recover, most importantly, for the performance side. But it also gives the marketing machine more opportunities to to tell the stories and then what we'll do is we'll filter out into the other events so uh, there's the champion series and the two cup finals there'll be a series for for women and a series for men so we can really start to push the women's game because like tennis we believe that the women's table tennis game deserves that and should be pushed forward um, and those those two events will be one table events so imagine every every match being televised every match having a crowd around it and imagine where we could take that table so could we be in sydney opera house maybe could we be like what squash did in the glass cage could we put it in front of the pyramids in egypt could we drop it into central station in new york you know royal albert hall in london uh, under the eiffel tower in paris you know the these are all things I think that become a reality um, if we can think about the logistics and the, and the styles of the of the events. And then star contender and contender will then be sort of down the pyramid so that maybe me as a 300 in the world ranked player from Ireland, that's where I can start to make, climb my trade and, and, and move up the ranking list and then qualify for the, for the higher events. Yeah, I think I, I think that's really interesting, Johnny. From especially from my side, having probably travelled to a lot of the World Tour events, so I, I concur completely with what you're saying. You know, you have four qualification rounds, people battling it through that those kind of events. You know, and and to to, to to some extent, they're the stars of our sport as well. Within those qualification events, they're playing they're playing two and three qualification rounds just to get into the main draw. And um, yeah, like I. I like it completely where, where, where that's going. And one question I have on that is what, what about numbers? Is it, is it 16 players? Is it 32 players? Is it, is it less? So it'll be um, less, less players in, in each of the draws um, to give us that ability to get more matches on the, on the TV uh, and also to showcase the sport and for, for less matches, I guess, in a sense for players and uh, more sort of, High level, because you're right, John, when, when you mentioned qualification, I've seen some unbelievable matches through qualification of the World Tours, and none of it's on TV. It's a real shame. It's almost like the best of the best are playing in those matches. And when I talk to the media, because I'm sort of responsible for trying to sell these matches, some of the broadcasters are telling me, what, it, it's only qualification? 
I, I, I've got Premier League, I've got Formula One, I can have basketball. I'm not sure, Johnny, where qualification table tennis fits into to what I can show because it doesn't sound important enough. So it's about trying to flip that to show amazing matches and, and our athletes who are amazing and, and are the stars of the show and trying to get it shown as best as possible. Yeah, absolutely. Um, um, yeah, just, just on that one, I guess I would just add that you know there are some things to work through. So rankings, the, the ranking system, for example. But what World Table Tennis is looking at is how do we create a system where um, a little bit like tennis, where um, you know the top players can't drop down into the into the lower, or, or there might be a wild card opportunity for a lower event to be able to say um, invite Ding Ning or invite Timo Ball to to showcase that player, which will drive ticket sales. A little bit like Maria Sharapova was a wild card for the China Open Tennis, for example, um, and so on. And, and wild cards for the organizers as well in those countries, because clearly part of the opportunity is to grow and develop local players and also to tell local stories for the media and um, so that those national players in those countries can also be part of it. But what we don't want is, is top players being able to drop down and then uh, take the world ranking points and take the prize money, which could block the, the, the development and progress of other players. Uh, similarly, not everybody would be able to um, enter into the top events. You'd have to qualify. So top 64, for example, for the Grand Smash um, and so on. So, so yeah, trying to really focus the quality of the, of the events and, and the players. Johnny, if I take it on a little bit with prize money, because um, I was reading recently that the World Cup in 1980 had a total prize fund of £36,000. And then in 2019, that was up to 250,000. So a significant increase over that time. Um, what does he mean for that in 1980? Did you, Ryan? No, you. I was too. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wasn't sorry. But what does it mean for players to obviously have that earning power? And, and what are ITTF doing to to raise it even further in the future? Yeah, we we want our players to to be stars that they deserve. We know the amount of time and effort that goes in by all our partners, all table tennis partners in, into our sport. And we know that our players train. I mean, how many hours are your players training? You know, they're putting a lot of hours in, so they deserve they deserve the the rewards. And I think within the current model of the, the world tour and the events and the commercial capabilities of it, it, it's quite restrictive and quite limited. So we do want them to earn more money. We want them to be holding big checks on the on the podiums. Um, will we ever catch golf and tennis? You know, it's a it's going to be 20, 30, 30 years maybe again, so, sort of since the sort of 1980 cycle you talked about there, Ryan, to, to know. But that has to be our aim. We we have to we have to reward the current players and reward the current system of, of those that play within the, the environment. And we want to show to kids around the world that if you play table tennis, you can become a true star. And that whole environment and economy growth should drive more participation into our clubs, into our programs, into our national associations to truly grow, truly grow the base of the game. That's, that's what should happen. Um, or that's what we want to happen for sure. Yeah. I think we've covered it probably fairly well there in, in terms of how table tennis improves itself and, you know, how we get ourselves up the pecking order against other sports. If you were to summarize that with your ITTF hat on, 
and a former player hat on what what would be the you know the main aspects of summary that you think we need to implement immediately um to you know to get us with these other sports like football and tennis um what do you reckon there good question i mean the, looking after the players and 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 giving them a platform to be to be the stars that that they sh they should be. You know, you Joe Michel save on last week. Brilliant discussion. Look look at his CV that you 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 read off Ryan and, and you guys discussed, and and you know sports personality of the year in Belgium and and amazing and he's 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 well known. Joe Michel's well known. I personally would have a goal of Jean Me should be as well known as. You know, uh, a Tim Henman or a Gary Lineker. Uh, you know, we need to try to get to get table tennis really pushed pushed forward. So, what we're looking at is more prize money for the players, uh, better conditions for the players. So to really enhance the players' lounges, the transport, like you were saying there, John, at the Australian Open for the tennis. Uh, really, really looking after the players and making sure that they have the all the tools. To, to perform as best as they can in, in those events. And that plays into the calendar. So ideally world table tennis over the next years will have fixed events for fixed uh, years. So a little bit like the Grand Slams in tennis, you know when Wimbledon is, Australian Open is, Roland Garros and uh, US, we know when that is, Flushing Meadow. And the fans know and the media know and the players know and the, the coaches and the development system knows so that we can really build up affinity with those events and that the calendar can become a little bit more smooth, let's say, and, and players can ply their, their journeys within that calendar because at the moment, maybe players are playing a lot of events, uh, but if it's structured slightly differently, then maybe players won't have to play as many events, but they have their own journey, whether you're 300 in the world, 100 in the world, or number 10 in the world we'll all have a similar journey in a sense we'll be going to different events but it'll it'll all sort of fit together nicely and, and then tied into the world ranking um so that that for me would be key is to really really give the, the platform for the players to to excel um around all the show and the erasmus and selling the media and bringing bigger partners on board being in iconic cities so that we become a real meaningful uh, global sport that people go wow that's you know that's pretty cool very good yeah, very sorry. Enjoy. We can see with how you how you you're you're a big fan of table tennis. Um, that you you really love the game, and, and I think that's evident in how you talk here. And and obviously, even when I meet at events in 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 the hall, I can see that you're really excited about the game. Um, is there any player out there or, or players of the new generation that excites you a lot? You know, I know you, you you get the opportunity to be beside them in the practice hall. You, you interview them, so you know you're as close as to any of these players as anybody. Yeah, good one. I, I mean, I just love seeing the development of how the, the young players coming through. You know, you, you you guys have have some of those players at the moment. You know, Owen, Sophie, Anna. You know, you've talked about your players there in in Australia, John, who can who can play in the World Cups, for example, Hemming, and then. Uh, you know, go to the Olympics and and so on. I, I just I just love seeing the, the young players coming through and having a pathway. And I think you touched on something on week one, which I think was was key. I think Ryan, you made the point around finances. You yeah, know, there's yeah. no doubt that, 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 that there comes a time when the finances are tough and and players will 
a lot of players will take a different route because there isn't the, the money to be made really or a full career. And I think I think with a world table tennis platform and a bigger economy, we hope then that that pushes through and, and that players can really follow a career in, in table tennis and make, make a living. I mean, I, I like you know watching Owen winning on the on the world circuit there, and Sophie doing well, and I, and I, and I know from the ITTF um, high performance team and and so on how that's progressing. Um, you know, it's great to see uh, Tomokazu Harimoto coming through and Adriana Diaz from Puerto Rico, and just watching how these these players will continue to develop. You know, it's great to see the likes of Liam taking a few big wins recently as well. Uh, Round the back shots from himself and Daniel Habison, these types of things. Xu Xin still doing unbelievable things. Uh, Ju Yu Ling and, and Cheng Meng and, and so on. Amazing level. So many aspects to it, I think. I don't know what you guys would say, but I certainly see the level improving all the time. Yeah, I do the stars I grew up with, you know, the, the Volners, the Rockers, the Gatians. I miss some of these big stars, but we've got them back. You know, Calderano, what a player to watch he is. Exciting, um, massive big shots uh, coming from you know Brazil is great as well, and you know we miss you know those sort of stars really, but they're coming back, and obviously the Chinese dominance was part of that. But that that's being tested isn't it, at the moment. Yeah, no, and, and you mentioned Hugo there, Ram. What a what a great uh, icon, you know, uh, Brazilian guy playing table tennis, good looking, athletic guy, does his backflips, um, brilliant English because his his mom was an English teacher, so he's fluent. Uh, he gives his time generously. He's very focused on what he wants to achieve in the sport, that's for sure. But he's quite generous with his time and he's, he's done interviews for us. Um, uh, Jorgic, Darko Jorgic, recently at the Europe Top 16 in Montreux. Brilliant uh, discussions with him. Great English. Shows his emotions. Shows his passion for the sport. Uh, Bernadette Zotch, also very energetic. Uh, great character. So, so I think all of these things... It just makes table tennis a superb product, and and it deserves to be to be taken to the next level. Yeah. Well, I can skip a few questions because we covered it in discussions already. So, coming from Ireland, smaller table tennis nation, where do you sit on the changes to the World Team Championships? The qualification process. The process from going through the different stages, to the finals. Yeah. I'd be really keen to get your views too, guys. Um, I mean, I'm very proud to have played for Ireland, you know, as you said, um, thanks for the intro, Ryan, in 95, seems like ages ago, at 97 no. and uh, 2001, uh, loved it, you know, John, we had a good, strong team and, and we gelled well together and we always gave our best. Um, but if I think back to that and think that mostly we played the matches in the second hall, which wasn't even streamed back then, and... Um, Keith, you too, in your international career, you know, maybe similar experience. Four, three or four of us on one side on the bench, three or four on the opposition. Well played, you know, sort of ripple of, of clapping. No, no commerciality to that at all. You know, nothing sold, nobody seen. And whilst it's very proud to play for Ireland and, and be there, I, I personally think, I, really, I think back to the days when Ireland played in uh, Lockside, when I used to see Colm and, and Jennifer and Andrew and Jim Dill and Hilti, you know, Nora McAvoy, all these players playing against Switzerland, playing against Luxembourg in a, in a venue which had, I don't know, back in the day, 100, 200 people. Atmosphere was unbelievable. You felt you were connecting to it. I was about probably 10, 12, 
14 years old back then and somehow I could I could feel feel the, the product I could I could feel the, the elite athletes and I, I could feel connected to it rather than you know them playing in the world championships in a distant part of the world so somehow for me if 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 Ireland played Wales Ryan in in Cardiff or in Dublin or in Belfast wherever and we got the crowd around we got local sponsors involved maybe the spectators would would the fans would pay 10 10 euro or 10 pounds in maybe they'd be having some fun music maybe a beer uh, having a good atmosphere maybe like your your league matches now at Ormo uh, Keith maybe local sponsors would be involved maybe local media would come down and somehow building that story at a local level and then qualifying for the the regionals and the continentals are very much like FIFA World Cup in terms of the qualification process for the finals mm-hmm. and having that two-year storytelling um, and, and driving that performance base as well. So players know, I want to get to the next round. I want to get to the next level of qualification. We need to get to the world finals. What, what, what will it take? Um, but of course, we do hear that, of course, there's feedback and, and quite rightfully that, you know, we're, we're not going to be at the finals anymore. And and, and, and that's that's probably true. But but everybody's part of the world championships. If you think in your part of the world, John, in Oceania, you know, some of those countries will never travel to world championships. But maybe in a regional qualification system, the Fijis and so on and so forth can connect to the New Zealands and the Australias. And you can create more of an economy in, in that part of the world, if you like as they try to qualify for the finals in the different stages. Um, and maybe that gives more opportunities. Well, I, I too, sorry, John, you go. Obviously, it is right that we played in the and just been, you know, in the second hole and finish our match. We rushed the first hole the matches. So you do feel a little bit left out in the second hole that nobody's watching you. Even though you're giving your best, you're sweating, you're fighting, you're running around the, the court and everything, but it's just a match and that could be played anywhere. Um, it is the responsibility of the host nation if it, go, you know, when, if it goes the home and away. It's the responsibility to put on a good show, like you said, with music and, and the best players there in the crowd um, you know, participating in the match. Because I, I took my team to Austria, the women, fantastic atmosphere. The hall, it was only a small hall, one table, but the atmosphere and the music and the and the media were there watching it, great. And we also done it in Kosovo, where it wasn't that sort of intenseness and and people weren't there, just we were just playing another match. So it is very much dependent on the hosts of these matches to make it a show. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that ITTF are, are looking to try to do with uh, World Table Tennis then is to because it would be a two-year story for, for the whole qualification through, what we're wanting to try to do is to bundle that opportunity to sponsors and to broadcasters so that they can tell a continual story for the whole World Championships, which is then bigger than all. Hopefully all 226 members of the ITTF can actually take part because less than 50% were taking part at the World Championships as it was because many of them couldn't couldn't travel or didn't have players to, to, to play. But hopefully that system now allows all countries to take part, which means the World Championships in effect becomes bigger. But if if World Table Tennis and ITTF can do bigger deals, what could then happen is that some of that sponsorship, very much like uh, FIFA and UEFA Champions League, no matter which stadium you go to, you get the same branding and the same quality and 
for the Champions League. You know when the ball goes into the middle, this is a Champions League match. So what you might find is that the goal, again, to grow the economy is hopefully we can get more money into the sport, which then drops down for the national associations running those matches, Ryan, so that so that a Kosovo or a Wales or an Ireland or an Australia or a Scotland or, or England or wherever have some additional resources to be able to put on the World Championship matches, whether that be helping with the streaming or whatever, whatever is needed in the system, you know, to try to, again, grow the sport. And I know that was already discussed before COVID-19 that ITF was looking at ways to try to help each of the continents with some of those matches um, and particularly the, the stage one matches for the for the seven or eight countries that were, were starting starting the whole process, really. Um, so trying to grow that economy, grow the resources, grow the commercial revenues to be able to then invest and help the product get better, yeah. uh, help our partners deliver that um, for the sport. I think even from, you know, from my perspective, obviously coming from Ireland and, you know, obviously we've got Sophie and Owen coming through high level. Um, I think my view on it is, you know, a lot of the smaller nations, in my opinion, are not ready for the World Championships. Um, you know, I went to the World Championships with John and actually we had quite a successful campaign in, in, in Moscow. But, you know, running up to that, you know, did we really believe we were a nation of strength or of power? And I think, you know, there's I think some of the smaller countries, you know, that can also be detrimental to them. You know, it can also make you feel like, you know, you're you're not ready for it. Um, it could also potentially end some careers. Um, so I, I think the view that the ITTF has taken and certainly, you know, that you're um, conveying to, to the viewers today, I personally agree with because, you know, we need to do more work at the ground level. So I guess the question I have what sort of support will there be going forward? And I believe Phil McCallum from Scotland actually had the same question. Um, you know, what, what sort of support will there be for the smaller nations going forward with this new system? Good question. Good man, Phil. Thanks for the question there. Uh, somewhere in Glasgow, maybe, or the northeast of England, maybe, wherever you are, Phil. Um, yeah, so I guess... Just going back to the, the world table tennis, this is to grow the commercials and the success of the sport and really propel it into a higher level. The goal is to grow the economy for all the stakeholders and all the partners within it. So you would anticipate that there would be support then for partners, national associations. You obviously have the ITTF high performance uh, department under Polona, and she's looking at ways in which the team can support global initiatives, whether that be all the camps that Owen and Sophie and Anna and so on go to, and, and your players, John, that were recently, I think, in Europe over the last four or five months, weren't you, for, for, for camps and training and so on. Um, you know, we have had those players come through, and I think you talked about this in your in your first show, um, you know, coming through the different uh, pathways with the ITTF, whether it be um, Eurostars in Europe or diamonds or whatever it is. So we want more of that. We want to bring more players through. So I think there's a bit of support, not only for national associations to run run some of the matches, but also for coaching capabilities and to, to access more courses, access more support. Um, hopefully the economy grows, then more kids want to come into the sport. Hopefully we have more great clubs like Ormo. Um, and I think overall the whole a whole economy should grow, which which will hopefully drive uh, huge amounts of opportunities um, and support in the system. Um, 
again, national associations taking part in that new world championships and, and being part of that local economy and growing the sport. And as, as you said, Ryan, those great matches maybe you had there in Austria, you know, really selling the sport locally to, to push the sport forward um, and, grow, and grow the sport. Very good. I think just there's one other question came in from um, our uh, campaign during the week was from Alan Robson, and he's just wondering what the impact of COVID-19 will have on events going forward and if there's any, if, if, if there's been a strategy sort of proposed by the ITTF. Yeah, good man, Alan. Thanks for the uh, question. Is he still as fit as ever, Alan? Is he still running around crazy yeah, fit? Been, tell you what, he he done a five k and I think it was twenty twenty minutes, thirty seconds, or twenty one minutes. So he's not bad for a fifty plus odd euros. He's still there. He's still there. Good yeah. man, Alan. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously the the postponement and the cancellation of events is is tough on on everybody. Um. Table tennis is no different. The ITTF Executive Committee have their next meeting on the 2nd of June. Uh, I have no doubt they will look at the current situation in terms of um, the COVID task force that the ITTF have set up. They'll feed in the, the current situation around the world. We can see different countries starting to open up. Bundesliga started obviously yesterday. I uh, spoke with a colleague in Croatia who, who was saying that Croatia obviously depends on tourism. So they're looking to open up. Um, so I think Current suspension is to the end of July. That should probably be discussed again. Uh, World Championships is due to be September, Busan, um, and all the sort of events that follow on. I hope we can get events on in 2020. I really, really do. Uh, you know, that, that's that's the goal. And, and hopefully straight after July, September, obviously Europeans is in at the moment, Worlds is in at the moment. We'd have World Cups. We'd have a couple of World Tours. Um so, yeah, we hope to get back as soon as possible. But I know the ITTF is passionate about not doing it too soon and making sure we consider the health of the athletes and and everybody within that. So so not an easy decision. Um, but, yeah, we need we, we want table tennis to be back. We need it to be back, guys, right? That's it. We, yeah, definitely. So I think, Johnny, the, that more or less concludes our, our script that we have in front of us, a nervy, nervy enough uh, live production. But um, <laughs> one of our um, questions we like to ask um, all of our guests is are your dream team, um, three men, three women, um, any any era, any age, who are you have going for? Different countries, yeah. What's that? has to be different countries. Oh, different countries. You, you can't put me... Johnny. Do I, ha I had all of you in my lineup. Is that do I have to go different? Do I? You have. Oh, good. Different countries. That's a that's a toughie. But um, I mean, Jonovi Volner was was incredible, right? Um, in in the men's side, but but actually, the player I probably uh, looked up to in terms of uh, physical shape and style was was Jorgen Persson. Okay, so two Swedes. So Jorgen was a player I tried to emulate because of his height and his, his his stance to the table and everything else. So I might have to choose one of those, do I? The bench um, one, yeah. You have to bench one. Yeah, well, I, I, I tried to emulate Jorgen, so probably Jorgen. Uh, played with Vladi through the juniors. Um, watched Vladi win the Junior Europeans in 1989. Um, so I'd probably say, say Vladi. Um, um, and then you'd probably I'd probably go Timo. 
Not On the women's team. side, again, I have two two amazing Chinese players, Ding Yaping and Wang Nan, both amazing, amazing medal tallies that they had over the years. But uh, And Ding Ning, obviously, another Chinese player, amazing in these recent times, a great character and very good English on the court and good fun in terms of interviews and all that. But, wow, that's three Chinese ran upon the rules again. <laughs> um, I mean, Tamara Boros was great coming through, wasn't she, when she got to the top 10 in the world from Croatia? And um, Sila Batorfi was one in the juniors, I remember, from Hungary when we were coming through the juniors. Great players. So those are players, I guess, that I've, I've seen playing. I'd go for those. A great team. Well done, team manager. Good selection. <laughs> John Murphy on the bench as coach, I hope, Johnny. Given I'd, have the all, I'd have all three of you guys involved somewhere. <laughs> Waterboy. <laughs> have, you given your, have you given your dream teams already? Have, have you been asked that yet? Oh, yeah, but we will do. But obviously, there's a hashtag there, Sunday TT Live, so the viewers can also give in their dream teams and we'll post them up at some point. That'll be, that'll be a good thing. Awesome. Brilliant. Well, what about you guys? Well, what else about the sport do you think is, is needed? You know, what do you sense either from a playing side, national association side, structure side? What, what would you be your big concerns or, or, or desires? It would be to have the best players in the world to be stars. You know, you go to China when I was there for the world championship, you know, Wan Li Chin got, you know, posted up on the underground and, Everyone knows them. And if that was replicated all around the world, that'd be, that'd be fantastic because, you know, there is a pecking order um, to the best sports and obviously some sports filter down lower. We get that. Um, not every sport can be, can be massive. So there's a part to play wherever you are. But yeah, it's a shame that the winner of Wimbledon, they say, gets X amount of money and, and X amount of media coverage and modulation. But, and then Table Tennis World Championship a world champion doesn't get the same coverage and it's a shame. Yeah. So, so yeah, you've got to, you've got to you know, just try and improve that situation really, because if you get heroes or idols that people can aspire to, then it just brings in a lot of new, new players. I think for myself, yeah. probably, you know, I know from speaking to you last week, Johnny, you were saying, you know, you're, we're, we're, we're kind of looking at an alley pally type, you know, grand scale of things. So, I think if we take that approach, you know, it's clear to be seen, you know, the Ali Pali was very successful and a lot of people enjoy going to it and it's great viewership. So I think, you know, that's, you know, times 10, as we, as we know, um, I think that's going to help the sport massively. Um, it'll certainly um, bring a lot more people back involved. I do think you hit a good point with regards to the timings of things. You know, there's a lot of world championships and European championships I've been trying to tune into when I'm sitting in work and, and then, you know, it's it's kind of like with this show. If if it's a pre-record, people aren't as interested. If if it's live, you you want to know what's happening there and then, and you you, you want to follow the action. Um. Yeah. So I think from my perspective, you know, the timings of things, um, and also just that 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 showmanship. Which to be honest, credit for credits to you, you've done a fantastic job there. And you know, I actually love tuning in to hear your interviews and you know your 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 production and. You know, just introducing the events is fantastic. And I do think, you know, Bob Rowe has done a great job. Um, You know, some people, you know, maybe aren't so interested in that sort of thing. But I think he brings great excitement. Um, we shared a, a, a video on our channel of Koki Niwa doing a, 
doing a chop block and it's you know we've two two weeks later i think there's 25 26 000 odd views and to be honest most yeah. of it most of it is actually because of his enthusiasm you know he's he's, he's jumping out of the out of the broadcaster studio you know yeah. it's, it's it's fantastic so i think that excitement brought into the sport makes a huge difference oh he's yeah. brilliant Dad. he is brilliant yeah i think i think from my side and i'll keep it short i think one thing I liked really, really a lot that you you were actually involved in Johnny was the Leave Our Lives in twenty seventeen and And I know it I know it continued on over world championships, but I know you were specifically involved in the one in Dusseldorf. Uh, and on that point I think we don't probably hear enough from the players. You know, we don't we don't hear from what they have to say. And I know you said it, you know, they could play two matches in one day now and stuff like that, so it's difficult. But um, you know, I I, I am always very interested when when you get the players sat down on the couch and you talk to them and how do they play and what's their goal for tomorrow and and and, and you, you you start to get that information. I think that's what a me as a coach uh, and b me as a fan would like to see. So I think that's twofold. And um, you know to hear from these the players, the coaches, the people that are on the cold face of of the top of our sport. And um, so I suppose from my side, yeah, it's, it's in line. I think with what everyone said, but I think it's it's you know getting more out of the players and. And getting to hear the, the personal personal push, what they have to say. Yeah, and, and I think one of the things we'd, we'd like to do on that, John, and or explore is it's about continual content, right? You can see it, some of the the reports coming out through this COVID nineteen of what sports and and assets and how digital plays a key role. And look at us doing this is a fantastic show you guys have kicked off, and you know digital and connection is is definitely the way forward and, and the TT fit app and everything super because everybody's going digital so one of the things we want to do is to be able to storytell throughout the year and and maybe it's like having a magazine show so we go we go to each of these events and we have a studio and we're bringing players in all the time and a little bit like BBC with Gary Lineker on Football Focus or Dan Walker or something like that so it's it's continual chat show style behind the scenes because that's a lot of the content to your point Keith and the amount of interest and engagement that the table tennis followers and fans have and if we can try and keep that storytelling going to connect the stars that you talked about ryan back into the table tennis community and, and further then then again i think that's another element of growing the sport and we do have to keep innovating you know we've seen t2 come into the market we've seen utt come into the market in, in india and um, we see the the j league in uh, uh japan so so there's all these things happening um and I think if we don't keep innovating and keep changing, we're in danger of being a, you know, a Woolworths or a Blockbuster from the high street. And 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 table tennis will, will, will from an ITTF perspective, could struggle. You know, the Ali Pali one, Keith, absolutely brilliant. World Ping Pong Championship, all you guys, all the, the Irish support, brilliant. Um, dressed up in the in the in, in the gear looked looked awesome. Um, so I think it's important to keep innovating. And of course, change, change is change. It's it's not it's not easy. Um, but I think we have to have to do the right thing for the sport and try and keep it moving forward um, into, the, into the future. Excellent. Very good. That's brilliant. Well, I think we've actually we've got a couple of other bits and pieces of um, a new part of the show which we're going to be bringing, which is news of the week. Um, so we're running into it. Part of the news of the week, John or Ryan, you've got the first piece. Yeah, it was interesting to read um, from the ETTU that the European Youth Championships, which were 
going to be staged in July, have tentatively been um, uh, postponed for September the 4th to the 13th. And obviously reading that, it's great that there's obviously a plan to get back to business, but obviously as a coach uh, for my players and also, um, you know, uh, being a player myself, it's interesting to see how this is going to work in September. I'd like to get your thoughts where a lot of people in the same hall, different uh, nations and stuff like that, we have to get back to compete in, like, like Johnny said uh, a few minutes ago, we've got to get back to, to what we know, but it is obviously worrying with COVID. And, and so, yeah, so that was my news of the week where the championships are set for September. Um, this, well, fingers crossed that it, that it does unfold that way, but I'd like to know your thoughts about so many nations getting in the same hall together. Yeah, I think probably Ryan from my side, some of the challenges, and I know it was on the ITTF webinar, led by Massimo last week, you know, some of the challenges having eight people on, on training tables, you know, European youths, we know it's, 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 it's renowned for, for, for that, for that kind of uh, thing. And that would be, that would be something that I've thought about and springs to mind in terms of when I think about tournaments coming back, I'll probably look at the very top tournaments. And I, I know in Australia, we're looking at, you know, potentially say the world cup events or where it's a smaller number of players. I just see maybe the European youths, being, a, being an event or now with 500 plus players, let alone staff, officials, and everything else, that I think, you know, I would say it could be a big ask, but that that would be that would be from my side. I think that something around the practice hall is, is, is certainly going to be a big issue. Yeah, some great challenges. What's your news of the week, John? Um, yeah, I was really interested to read, um, and maybe Johnny, you might have some more information on it. Um, is that Jorgen will will take over as the head coach of the Swedish men's team from the 1st of October. I know Peter Blomqvist, who currently is the men's head captain, is moving over to an exciting project with Truls Morgard and Anton with a bit of a future in mind there. Um, but, but obviously Jorgen now will assume the, the, the head coach role and, of course, will sit on the bench at the Olympic Games next year in Tokyo. I also thought it was interesting what he said. He said, you know, they want to win a gold medal at either the European Championships, the World Championships, or Olympic Games. And he did state that, you know, we've beaten China before and we can do it again. So you can see the stall is set out really from the Swedish. And I think that's exciting for Swedish table tennis to, to have Jorgen. I know he was in a role as assistant coach, but now to be the head coach, I think they're showing their intent. Johnny, what do you think of that? How was Johnny Frost? Keith, Johnny, what do you think of that? Johnny must have disconnected. Um, I think, um, yeah, I think no matter, no better man for the job than Jorgen. You know, he's a fantastic um, ambassador for the sport. Um, you know, I, I think they'll certainly be in great hands. You know, he's obviously quite a close coach of Matthias Falk, I believe. Um, so I think he'll be a good fit. You know, he's got the experience. Um, you know, and I believe he's already quite close with you know the future of Sweden, Jules Morgard. You know, so. I think yeah, it'll be. I think it can only do good things um, for for Sweden. Oh, I think excellent. Keith, what's your news of the week? Hey, my news of the week's quite quite close to home actually. Um, two two of my our players at the club, um, Owen and Sophie, we've heard a little bit about. So, um, they've both signed professional contracts. Um, Owen actually had had well, actually both of them had quite a few offers. Um, Owen had a he had a pro B offer. He had a, a couple in Germany and. So he's decided to go with third league in the Bundesliga in Germany North, um, and for Sophie it came as a bit of a surprise. She had a, a, a well, my own club Annecy um would have liked to have got Sophie, um, she also had a, her 
previous club in Germany, but she decided to settle with um, Nîmes, um, which is a phenomenal opportunity. She'll be playing uh, between three and six matches in Pro A, um, as well as the remainder of the matches in National 1. So we're hoping that it's a great pathway for the guys, but it'll be a nice sort of, uh, you know, set up for the future, you know, that professionalism. Brilliant. I believe Johnny's back with us. And what's your news of the week, Johnny? Um, a general one, I think, for me. I'm just loving all the different things that all our many of our athletes and people are doing on social media. You know, uh, Kim Demba when he went into to, to, to hospital and so on, and, and worked as a junior doctor. Will Bailey's active at the moment, and there's, there's there's just great stuff going on to try and do something positive in these tough times. Exactly. Well, talking about Will Bailey, obviously, Will, uh, we got the star of the week coming up. Keith, can you play the clip? So, Will Bailey, obviously, star of Strictly Come Dancing. He's just uh, developed with uh, Great Ormond Street Hospital, a face mask with a rainbow of Stay Safe and his signature there, because I know from his social media post and his story that Great Ormond Street have been so instrumental in his journey from a, from a young baby right through his career. So, congratulations, Will, on, on developing the face mask. I bought two already. I got them coming in the post shortly, and once I get them, Obviously, I'll use them, and um, well done on, on your our star of the week. So well done, Will. Hi guys, um, got something really exciting to tell you. The last few weeks, um, me and my friends have been working really hard on a on a project to try and raise money for Great Ormond Street Hospital, who who really need it at the moment. And um, we came up with an idea of, of face masks. And um, yeah, here's mine. That's the Will Bailey face mask. Which I'm, I'm really proud of. I, I love it, and it is um it is on sale now. So there are links on on all my social media pages, and um yeah, I hope you can share it and buy buy a few yourself. Obviously, I've got a real personal um story with Great Ormond Street. I I've been there most of my life. When I was born, I was taken there for my arthrogryphosis treatment, and when I was seven years old, um they saved my life because I had non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. So. I do feel like I owe them one and um, I hope this is a little bit of um, giving back towards that. And yeah, please, um, please buy a face mask and, and it could really help others and it could help um, young children in the position that I was in. So it would mean a lot to me. Thanks so much for all the support. It means the world and please, um, please buy a face mask or two. Thank you. An inspiration. Inspiration. Awesome. Yeah, the disappointment of Strictly, um, you know, when, when he had his injury, disappointment of the Paralympics being put back here, but as ever, he's um, he's ready to deliver, and he has on this one, that's for sure. Absolutely. That is great. He did some commentary at the Europe Top 16 Cup last year. He came across and did the day on the final Sunday. What a what an energetic, inspirational guy, and he was connecting in with the players and so on, and, and his commentary was really up there you talked about adam bobro there keith i mean will too just amazing energy yeah yeah what i would say if you follow him on social media you get the links to to purchase some of these masks and uh, or get in touch with us and we'll put you in touch with the link you need to buy some masks really cheap but obviously not only a lifesaver for us in in these times but obviously helping a great cause as well with will Very good. before Absolutely. we wrap up for the day we've got some fantastic news for for next week and um, we'll run the clip and we'll we'll see who we've got
got to say, I for one am exceptionally excited for next week. Um, one of my favorite players growing up, bronze medalist in the Olympics. Um, you know, one of the guys that really had a phenomenal opportunity at beating a lot of the Chinese. You know, he his lobs and you know he 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 made the Chinese feel like they couldn't smash. You know, not many people can do that. So be excited for next week. Yeah, look, I'm excited as well. Obviously, I've known Michael a long time, lived with him in Denmark and Germany. What a character, you know, the David Beckham of table tennis with his tattoos and his lifestyle. But yeah, really looking forward to that as well next week. Yeah, absolutely. I think he's everything, Johnny, that you would like to have to be able to sail on the ITDF World Tour. I think he's the, he was he was probably doing it for the last 20 years and he was probably a pioneer in table tennis in, in, in that respect. So yeah, really, really looking forward to, to speaking with Michael next week. Uh, I think he'd be a great guest for you guys. Uh, I played golf with him last July. He was up with Terry McLernan at Drum Chapel for the 30th year. It was uh, Michael came and, and Zocchi. So uh, Zocchi Primarach. So the, the two guys came and I, I stayed with those guys for a couple of days. Uh, and just talking table tennis and the technicalities and what the sport needs and the young stars of, of the day and what they think they need to really be focused and, and play high level. Is just just fascinating and, and you're absolutely right uh, Ryan the David Beckham of, of table tennis and you know one of the things we talked about earlier in the show was t making the stars true stars you know Michael obviously he knows Caroline Wozniacki the, the global tennis player and uh, he's friendly with the Danish badminton players and and you know it's clear that that uh, that they earned more than than, than Michael and are, are maybe bigger stars than Michael and, and that Personally, in table tennis, I'm passionate about table tennis. You'd want Michael to be to be bigger than all all those other athletes too, you know. So that's that's where we need to go to. But Michael's great, great character. Brilliant, Johnny. Thanks for coming on today. It's been a great insight into ITTF, and you know everything we've talked about today has been so fascinating. So on behalf of myself, thank you, and thank you to Keith and John for joining us again on another Sunday live. Boys, they're coming around thick and fast. That's it. Pleasure, guys. It's been Thanks brilliant. Very I really like the first few shows, guys. Very, very good. And the TT Fit app and everything. And this is great content. You guys are doing a great job. And uh, it's great to listen to you. I'll be tuning in, tuning in each Sunday. Don't you worry. And anything else that comes up, anybody wants to contact me, you know, ITTF is open doors, communication. Just, just, just get in touch. Brilliant. Thank you very much, Johnny. Thanks, guys. Awesome. Thanks, Johnny. Stay strong, guys. Stay strong. Stay strong.